Friends, good morning. Good morning, friends, and welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. Uh, for those of you coming in out of the rain, um, you made it um, under shelter and maybe only a little bit bedraggled, right? Uh, for those of you joining us online, we hope that you are well and warm wherever you are joining us from today. Uh, as we get started this morning, uh, wanted to remind those of you uh, who are with us for the first time or are back after a long time that worship at Pleasant Street here follows an order of worship, which is both displayed on the screens and also printed in your liturgy. And this bulletin also includes notes about things happening in the life of our community. And as is usual, I want to highlight a couple of those for you as we get started this morning. Uh, and the first is to let you know that today, even though it's the, not the last Sunday of the month, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper together, communion. We moved it one week up uh, because next Sunday, the fifth Sunday, we get to celebrate Family Sundays and also Gem Sunday. And because that is a special day in other ways, we decided to move communion up to this week. And so we look forward to that together. And for those of you at home, if you want to take some time now to prepare uh, juice uh, or wine and bread to be able to join us, uh, now would be a great time to do that, even as we are making our way there together in this worship service. The other thing I'd like to highlight for you is it's raining, April showers and all of that, right? One of the things that that means is that softball season is starting. So uh, maybe if you didn't know that, I mean, not today, they're not playing softball today, right? But um, uh, starting this week, uh, Pleasant Street's softball team will be playing uh, their first game tomorrow, actually. It's an away game, but not too far in Uxbridge, which is, you know, just down the road a little ways. But they'll be playing Cornerstone Church, so a little inner church rivalry going on there. Uh, and that's tomorrow night. And the first home game is next Monday, uh, May 1st, at Whitensville Christian School at their baseball field. So if you play softball and this is news to you or you're looking for a way to get some activity, you could talk to Scott. Scott, if you could wave your hand. Or to Jonathan. Jonathan's on the organ there. Uh, and uh, they, they might have a spot for you uh, to help contribute. If you would like to watch a softball game, this is also an invitation, an invitation to join and watch the team either tomorrow night in Uxbridge or next Monday at WCS. And then finally, I want to highlight for you something we've been talking about this year. We've done a couple of lectures talking about issues that are affecting churches and our wider communities after the pandemic. Our last one for the year, one we're very excited about, is coming up on May 13th with Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin, who's coming from Cambridge, Mass. We're really looking forward to having her. We've been studying some of her writing. She'll be with us right here in this very room on May 13th. Uh, we're going to have some morning breakfast. Please do join us. Invite your friends. But friends, gathered here today, we have come to worship God in this resurrection season. So would you rise in body and spirit? Let's begin our worship. Good morning. So please join us in this call to worship from Psalm 130 and John 6. Out of the depths I cry to you, O God. O God, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. We hunger for you, Jesus, the bread of life, and we thirst for you, O God. With you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. 
In your words I hope, my soul waits for you. God, more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. We hunger for you, Jesus. We thirst for you, O oh God. Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Let's sing. Glory. 
Please join me in this call to confession. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We confess that we have elevated the things of this world above you. We have made idols of possessions and people and used your name for causes that don't glorify you. We put our schedules first and have not taken the time to worship you. We turn to the world to fill us instead of turning to you as our life sustainer. Come to Lord and we confess these things, and through Jesus we have an assurance. And from this assurance, we're going to read it from Christ is the bread of life indeed, the hymn. So Christ is the bread of life indeed, who nourishes the, hung the hungry soul, the one on whom our spirits feed, who makes us whole. Christ is the door which open stands, the one who watch and ward will keep, the shepherd of the heavenly lands, who knows his sheep. Christ is the light of all the earth to end our night of sin and gloom, the resurrection life whose birth has burst the tomb. Christ is the living vine, and we abide in him. Who hears his call, the way, the truth, the life, is he and Lord of all. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of life, your sins have been forgiven. I'd like to invite the deacons to come up for our morning offering. As they come up, I'd like to offer this prayer. Blessed are you, Lord, of all creation. Through your goodness, we have these gifts to share. Please accept them and use them for your glory and to further your kingdom. Amen.
the church, we have good news from Jesus that our sins have been forgiven and he offers us peace. And now is a chance when we can look to our neighbors and we can extend that same peace that we're offered. So friends, the peace, the, the peace of Christ is with you. have all the kids street kids come up ages um four through second grade are ready to come up (laughs) people of god what is our prayer Good morning, my friends. My name is Chuck McGrath. I'm an elder here at Pleasant Street Church. It's my honor to lead us in prayer this morning. Some of the words from Psalm 103 say, I sank below, but you reached from above and set me on a firm foundation, showed once more the way of mercy, true and love, truth and love. Let's join in prayer, offering our praise, thanksgiving, and intercession to God. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we gather here this morning to worship you. We thank you for the springtime around us, the warmth of the sun, the flowers, the song of the birds, and the rain. May we always remember to stop and smell the flowers and the rain, and know that these things are from you. We thank you for all the mercies and blessings that you have given us. We thank you for the gifts of your son and the work he has done to save us. We thank you for the great gift of this church community and all the people who have been touched by your grace here, keeping us from our purely self-centered behavior and stirring us to serve those people who are most in need of your mercy. We thank you for our council and leaders. Bless their lives and their service. Energize their souls. Grant them the desire to grow in faith and inspire others. Oh God, challenge and strengthen our faith. Weed out what is soft and shallow. Grow in us a faith which is rich in nutrients and resistant to periods of drought and pests. Faith that bears fruit in good times and in bad times. Lord, we thank you for this church, built upon the sacrifice of our ancestors in faith. May our worship be a genuine and sincere, and the ministries that flow out of this place lift up people in the name of Christ. And despite all other efforts, our efforts, may we never forget that we are saved by grace alone. 
Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for the gifts of this church community and all the people who are active here in various ministries and roles, giving of their time, talents, and treasures. Lord, we remember all the treasures that have been given to you have given to us, our families, our closest friends, our neighbors, our church, the wealth of this land that provides for our needs. You give us life and all that we need. Thank you, Lord. Lord, at this time, we remember those that walked the journey before. We remember how they influenced our lives, shaped our character, and enabled us to become the people we are. You give us all good things. Thank you, Lord. Lord, this morning, we remember our elderly brothers and sisters who live in nursing homes and are shut in for health reasons. We pray for Theona T, along with all those who live in retirement communities. May they always feel our loving embrace. Let us pray for our church community and all those among us who are struggling with major challenges and health problems in their lives. We think of Hank H, Greg, Jerry K, Ron V, Joy W, Deb V, and Flo J. Lord, be with them in this very moment and give them the strength they need. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray for those who are traveling, enjoying recreation, and those gathering here and those absent, that through your joy, our joy, we bring joy to the world. Oh God, we thank you for those who have found a new spiritual home here as new members of Pleasant Street Church. May their lives be enriched through ministry and community. May they each bring gifts into your service. Heavenly Father, we think about the plans we make. We ask that you be with us as we make them cadet campouts, family trips, lemonade stands, and business plans. We ask that you bless them and use them to further your kingdom always. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day of rest, this opportunity to restore our souls, strengthen our desire to keep your day holy, and help us to resist the urge to be busy at all times. As Max Licato said, as we follow this, as we fellowship with God, read his word, obey his commands, and seek to reflect his character, something wonderful emerges. We say things that God would say. We do things that God would do. We forgive. We share. We love. And in time, an image begins to appear. God's goal is simple to rub away everything that is not of him so that the inborn image of God can be seen in us. Oh God, this is, this is what we long for. We ask a blessing on the sermon this morning. Open our eyes that we may hear your word and be blessed by it. For your love and goodness, we give you thanks, oh God. Lord, hear your... Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Through Jesus Christ we pray. 
Amen. Good morning. Our reading is from John 6, 25 to 40 and 53 to 59. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, Well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. Well, friends, good morning to you this Easter season. If you didn't know that, Easter is a season of six Sundays, just like Lent is a season of six Sundays. And as we continue to walk together in the good news and in the light of the resurrection, friends, would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, just as crowds came searching and following you around the ancient landscape of Palestine, so too we realize that 
Though many years have gone by, not much has changed. That this morning, there are people all around us who search far and wide for something that matters. And this morning, having found our way into this place, we count ourselves among them. Having come here and to you and to this story, hoping to find good news. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come recognizing this hunger inside of us and by your Holy Spirit, come reveal yourself to us that we might live. In your name, amen. So it is the season of Easter, and we've just finished walking with Jesus down the very difficult road to the cross. We did so looking at sin in biblical images together. And, and if you know the story of Jesus, this is always where the Gospels end, at the cross and at the empty tomb. No matter where you start in the story, no matter which of the four Gospels you use, it always ends here. But during the Easter season, now that we know the end of the story, we are going backwards into the things that Jesus said before he got there. We are looking at seven statements that Jesus made about himself in the Gospel of John. We sometimes call them the I am statements. And maybe you are wondering today, why are we going backwards to the things that Jesus said before he died? Well, for this reason, if the resurrection means one thing, it's this. You do not raise a person from the dead who is mostly right or, is, or who is mostly a good person. So if Jesus is raised from the dead, it must mean that he was right about the way that he lived his life and about the things that he taught and about the ways that he described himself. Maybe a story helps. Douglas is a man that I know. He doesn't go by Doug. He goes by Douglas. And he is a brilliant software engineer with a major tech company. He is also a science fiction aficionado. He loves, in particular, Game of Thrones. He has read the books. He has watched the entire HBO docu uh, series. I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying that he has. Okay? Well, I was talking to Douglas one time. He's single and he has free time. And I was asking him, what do you do with all this free time that you have. And he said, well, I watched Game of Thrones again. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yes, but this time I watched it backwards. He watched the entire series from the very end of the series all the way back to the very first episode in reverse order. He started with the last episode. He went back to the beginning. This, my friends, is commitment to a television series. And I was very interested in this. So I asked Douglas, why would you do this? And he said, well, you know, when you know the end of the story, it changes what things mean before. And I thought to myself, that's kind of how we read the Gospels. We take seriously what Jesus says and does along the way because we know how it ends. And so disciples of Jesus are people who learn to read backwards, who read the story of Jesus with the end in mind 
And so this morning, for those of us here in this room or online or after the fact or however you have come to join us today, for those of us who aren't sure about Jesus' claims about himself, the resurrection means that we have to go back and look again. Right? And for those of us who are disciples, it means that we have to go back and look again and again because the things that Jesus says about himself are more true than we might have realized. And this week, with the end of Jesus' resurrection in mind, we take very seriously what Jesus says in John 6 when he says, I am a loaf of living bread. This, my friends, is how Jesus self-identifies to us. He is self-identifying to us this morning as a loaf of bread. In our world, in our culture, we consider it very rude not to accept a person when they tell you who they are. And yet for so many of us today, we struggle to allow Jesus to do just that. When it comes to us, we want to be free to tell other people who we are and be accepted for it. When it comes to Jesus, we want to be able to tell him who he is and we want him to accept us for it. We call Jesus a great teacher, we call him a prophet, we call him a social revolutionary, we call him a guru who taught everybody that they should love each other. Any of those things could be good things. There's just the one problem. They are not how Jesus self-identifies. Jesus says, I am a loaf of living bread. My friends, he does not present himself to us today as a cup of coffee, as much as I love those. He does not present himself to us as something that boosts your day, but you could probably survive without it. He is saying, I am connected to the deepest needs and longings that you experience in life. I am connected to a desire, a hunger in you that is so fundamental that you will not live if you do not find a way to meet it. I am the spiritual calories that you have been searching for. All of what Jesus says in this statement in John chapter 6 happens in the context of a conversation with a crowd, which is how the best self-identifying statements always happen in a conversation. There's a crowd who is searching very hard for food. There's a crowd that has just spent a great deal of effort searching for food. We are picking up the story here in John chapter 6 in the middle, but, but John 6 as a whole is just one giant long story about bread. And it begins because Jesus feeds a crowd with, well, bread. He feeds them with bread and he goes up on a mountainside and a great crowd comes to him and they have nothing to eat and he feeds 5,000 men with five loaves and two fish and everyone eats until they're full. My friends, we, we take this for granted because one burrito from Chipotle will do that for us. But what we forget is that for these people, it may have been a long time, if ever, since they ate until they were full. Friends, they may never have seen leftovers before. And here, all of a sudden, there are 12 baskets full of leftovers. Jesus does something wonderful. He does something miraculous. Well, of course they will follow him around. 
when the crowd sees that Jesus does this, they want to make Jesus king, we are told. They want to make him the bread king. Now, this is maybe you've heard probably because they would like to always have full bellies again. Yes, and I think that's true. But, but if you think about what a king means, a king represents an ideal for us. Jesus has here represented something ideal for him, and they want to make him their leader. We all live by ideals. Ideals, they, they are what give us something to aspire to in life, and they also criticize us when we fall short. Everyone wants a king or a ruler who embodies ideals. It's why we get so hung up on sports athletes whose personal lives are a mess. It's irrelevant to how well they play a game, but it matters because we want our star athletes or our actors or our leaders to represent ideals for us about how to live in the world, and it bothers us when their lives are not in congruence. And those ideals that we have, they come from stories. Jesus presents himself to us as an ideal that comes from the story of Exodus. By feeding the crowd, he is representing something that happened a long time before in the book of Exodus. It's a story of miraculous bread that falls each and every day in the wilderness. Some of you know this story. For those of you who have been in church before, you know the story of manna. You know about how this works, about wilderness being a geography where people have to rely on God. But what we might forget is that wilderness is also a place where you have no sense of direction. You do not know how things are going to work out in the end. It's a place without much hope, and it's a place without much purpose. And those are the things that seem to really bother the people of Israel. If you look at their complaints in Exodus, when they are in the desert, they get angry with Moses and they lament having left Egypt where the food was plentiful. But it's not just because they're hungry. It's because they feel lost. Anyone who has been a care provider for a loved one for a long time knows that when this loved one passes away, you feel lost. This obligation of care begins to shape your whole life. It shapes when you can go to the grocery store, when you can take a shower or a vacation, and suddenly when that is all done, when you don't have these obligations, you don't know who you are. For many people, they don't necessarily feel free when this happens. They feel guilty or they feel lost. Why is this? Because human beings don't just need food. We need meaning. We need purpose in the world. And in the story of Israel in the wilderness, in the Exodus, something like this seems to happen. If you look then at what God does for his people, it's not just that he gives them bread that miraculously falls from heaven. This bread is, is a gift and it's there every day, but it is also something that they participate in. It is a story that they participate in. 
It lays claim to their lives. It gives them a structure to how they live in the world. The bread falls overnight. Nobody knows how the bread gets there. It's a gift. Nobody knows where it comes from. It is a gift from God. It is manna. But each day, everyone must participate in this gift. They have to gather it up. And on the sixth day, they have to gather twice as much so they can rest on the seventh. Do you see? They are asked, they are invited into participating in this story of God's provision for them. It is meant to give them purpose for how to live in the world. So isn't it interesting then if we look at John chapter 6 that in this conversation with Jesus and the crowd, they ask him, what must we do? What must we do to be doing the works of God? What is our purpose? What does God want from us in the world, Jesus? And Jesus says, the work that you must do is to believe. He says that he is the bread. He is God's gracious provision in the wilderness. And the work that they must do is to participate in receiving and believing and gathering up this gift in their lives. It is though Jesus is presenting himself to us as the gift that will be there always and forever, right where we need it. Our work, our participation is to reach and to receive and to respond to this. I think what Jesus is trying to tell us is that his identity as the living bread, it must become the most foundational, foundational thing about us. His words, his actions, his authentic character must become the thing that we feast on. And maybe you're saying, yes, the pastor is telling me to read my Bible more. I understand. Yes. Maybe. Reading the Bible is a good thing, but I, I don't mean just that. I mean that who Jesus is must become the thing that defines who we are. We must go through life over and over again seeing him present himself to us as living bread. And we must let him defining himself begin to define us. This is what happens when the crowd finds him. So the crowd has spent considerable effort chasing Jesus around the Sea of Galilee. Can you imagine a large crowd of people clamoring over each other to try and find Jesus in boats and back out of boats again to one side? He's not here. Back in the boats over to the other side. This giant body of water in the middle, they have to go over it and around it. They are going to quite a bit of trouble to find this guy. When they do catch up to Jesus, you can hear the annoyance in their voice. They say, when did you get here, Rabbi? It's an odd thing to say. But I think it communicates their frustration. See, the crowd wanted something from Jesus, and they were not expecting it to be this difficult to find. And when they do find him, their frustration comes out maybe more than they realize. Rabbi, when did you get here? Put in our words, Jesus, where have you been? Jesus replies even more interesting, I think, because he does not say, oh, I, I'm sorry you guys had so much trouble finding me. Next time I'll try to be more obvious. 
No, what he says is, you came here because you want another meal, but what I am telling you is that you should really be working for bread that lasts forever. Do you see this? They say, Jesus, where have you been? He says, why are you here? Jesus seems to want them to understand why they have come to him, and they don't yet. He wants them to know what is driving their lives is a hunger that they cannot quite define. Jesus does not say, you should all feel bad about being so food motivated. What he says actually is that there is something deeper that's driving you than even you realize, and that is what I have come for. And that is what I mean to satisfy. It is your hunger for eternal bread, for substance and meaning and purpose in life that will not wear out. It is for a purpose that can gather up all of your life and give you something to participate in. That is who I must be to you. Jesus, my friends, associates himself with our most constant and deepest need for survival, for food. And Well, surely we have to say that either this is true or it isn't. Because Jesus is saying that just as you must eat or die, that is the right way to understand my presence in your life, as food, as spiritual calories. And that says something not just about who he is, but about who we are. We are people who must eat. We must have spiritual nourishment. And we will go to great lengths to find it. The question is, are we looking in the right place? So recently, my family and I, we went to the Boston Science Museum. And while we were there, we explored wonderful things all day. We got to uh, hear a presentation about the new uh, rebooted space program, NASA's uh, Artemis program. Apparently, we're going back to the moon, which I didn't know. And maybe that's news to you, or perhaps you knew that already. And in fact, we've actually already sent an orbiter there. We did that last year. I didn't know any of that. The docent who was giving the presentation was going on about all of the new developments and the new technology and the new science behind this Artemis space program with NASA. He was very excited about it, and it was very exciting. It also seemed quite dangerous and very expensive, which space programs are famous for. And he actually anticipated this because at one point in the presentation, he raised a question. He said, you know, I've gone on about all of this science exploration and the advancements in technology, but maybe we should ask ourselves, why should we do this at all? Why go to the moon? You could feed the world for what it costs to do this. So why not just feed the world? Well, he proceeded to try to answer this question. He said, well, by going to space, you can see the earth better from a different point of view. He said, by going to space, we can put a base on the moon, and from there we can explore farther into space, and we can put a radio telescope there and reach even further because you don't have the atmospheric interference. Well, we were talking about this on the way home because it didn't actually answer the question. He said, yes, you you can build a base, you can see the earth better, right, but why does that matter? 
Why does it matter that you should see the earth from a different point of view? Why does it matter that you should be able to go further into space? Why does it matter that you should be able to see or understand what's out there? Well, at some point, the answer has to be this, so that we can know who we are and how we got here. That is the question that is worth spending millions and millions and millions of dollars for. The only problem is science can't answer that question. The universe cannot tell you who you are and why you're here. Why? Because you can't have a conversation with the universe. And we always discover who we are and why we're here in the midst of a conversation. You can, however, speak to the one who made it. Who today is standing right in front of us presenting himself to us as the one, the only one who can and must answer our deepest hungers for meaning and purpose in the world, the living loaf of bread. Bread, like like manna in the desert that keeps falling even though we don't know how and how it got there. Bread, like manna in the desert that is God's gift to people who are lost in the wilderness and don't know what to do or where to go. Bread that, like manna, is the gift of God that we are asked, invited to gather up and participate in through the life of the church. The crowd says to Jesus, prove to us that you can do something even greater than Moses. Prove to us that it's true, that you really are who you say that you are. And Jesus says, the proof you are looking for is the one who is speaking to you. It wasn't that Moses gave bread in the past, Jesus says. It is that God who gives bread. He gives bread. Jesus is saying that it wasn't about Moses leading or giving. It is about God, God who gives. Who gives in the present and who is giving right now. If you could only see it. And they say, Lord, please give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I am the bread. I am the bread. I am that for which all human beings most desire. I am the one who can guide you in the confusing landscape of this world and tell you always who you are. He is the one who can keep us from dying and who will make us alive again after we die. He is the one who will accept anyone, anyone, who simply comes to him no matter what brought them there. And Jesus is the one who can hold on tight to anyone and everyone who does come to him and never lose track of you. He is the one picked by God to tell us the truth about God. He is the one who gives himself as the food of the living God. Friends, that's where this conversation goes. Jesus says, My friends, I am not the metaphor. I am the real thing. My body, my flesh, my blood, my life, it is in all of its real human particularity, it is what you must feast on if you are to live. Manna was the shadow. This is the real thing. And all you have to do, my friends, to participate in this gracious, good provision of God is to trust and to come They are the two most simplest verbs that you could imagine. Trust and come. 
How is that possible? Well, because God has already put the food right here. God has put the bar so low that anyone can reach it in the way that a child can reach a table. God has made his presence as near to us as it possibly could be. God has made his nourishing life as acceptable, as as accessible as coming to Jesus who welcomes anyone who comes to him. And we think it can't be that easy. We think, well, it must not be worth very much if it's that easy because anything worth having takes work. Oh, my friends, yes, it does take work. But it wasn't you doing it. It was God. It was God's work, God's effort that makes the food of Jesus possible, not yours. Friends, God puts the food of himself right here close enough for us to grab, not because it's cheap, but because we will not find it otherwise. He puts the food of himself through Jesus this close, not because it's easy, but because you mean that much to him. In fact, the desires that have driven you to church this morning online or in person are God's way of drawing you to his son. Not so that he can kill or criticize those desires, but so that he can finally satisfy them. Which is what Jesus says to us this morning. Come and trust. And I will hold on tight to everyone who does. And I will keep you from dying. And then I will raise you to life after you die. Come and trust. Take and eat. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, it is astounding to us that you would make a claim like this right at the center. We may have blown right past it on the way to the cross, but seeing the end of the story and realizing what you were willing to give and to do on our behalf, we trust that you must have meant everything that you said. And so we've come back to look again at things that we missed the first time. And we see you standing here among us saying that you are a living loaf of bread. And we recognize that something so simple and yet so fundamental is exactly what we need. And Lord, the way that you ask us and invite us to participate in it is actually so simple that it's terrifying to simply reach out with trust like a child, believing that we will grab onto something in our hands that is real and that we will take it into ourselves and come more alive than we thought was possible. We ask, O oh God, that by your Spirit you would come and you would take these things that you have said and that you would help us to simply reach out and take hold of them in faith. Even as we take hold of a piece of bread and a little cup of juice. Amen. Friends, would you rise in body or in spirit? Let's respond to God together, and let's sing How Firm a Foundation. It's number 500 in the gray hymnal if you'd like to follow the notes. The lyrics will also be on the screen.
friends, you may be seated. Brothers and sisters, the good news of the living Jesus is as close as this table or as the elements on your table at home, and it is as real as this bread and this wine. Friends, we come to this table because the Lord has prepared it for us and has done everything necessary. He has done the work, and so we are invited to come now with gladness to take to receive, to participate. As we do this, my friends, together, uh, we will offer a prayer that we participate in together, giving thanks to God as Jesus did. And then we will have the elders uh, who will distribute the elements to you. A couple of quick notes about that. For those of you who are gluten-free, we have gluten-free options in the center of the trays for the bread. We also have the single-serve uh, container elements, the self-contained ones that have both a a wafer and the juice all in one convenient package. If for some reason you would prefer to take those elements uh, because of health concerns, you are welcome to do so. If you need help, please raise your hand and we'll be glad to assist you. Friends, let's pray together. Brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Please pray with me. Wondrous and merciful God, we thank and praise you because we did not choose you, but you chose us. You destined us to become your friends from before the foundation of the world. You showed steadfast love and faithfulness to your people and remembered your promises in every generation. Greater love hath no one than you, because in Christ you laid down your life and turned us from servants into friends, and by your Spirit you raise us up to be your beloved companions forever. And so, gladly, we thank you with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, proclaiming together your unending praise and saying with one voice, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Transforming God, your Son took the ordinary substance of human flesh and bone, and on his last night with his friends, he took the ordinary materials of bread and wine. We ask that you would come among us now and make the ordinariness of our lives glow with the wonder of your eternal life. Take these gifts of bread and wine and make them to be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, at supper with his disciples, gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. On the night of his arrest and before he suffered, the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this. To remember me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, and after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them and said, This cup is the new covenant which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink this, do this to remember me. For friends, whenever we 
eat this bread and drink this cup, we together proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until He comes again. My friends, great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Redeeming God, Your Word turned into flesh and Your perfect love casts out our fear. In broken bread, show us the cost of Your love and empower us to love like You. In poured wine, show us the constancy of Your love and form us to love with long-suffering like You. Abide this morning with all those whose lives seem fruitless. Remain with those who have experienced pruning. Dwell with any who feel like branches that have been discarded. We ask, O God, that you would renew your church so that it might look like your son and wipe every tear from every eye, make death no more, and take away mourning and crying and pain that all might find justice in your mercy and freedom in your service until the beginning and the ending of all things are one in you, and you are all in all, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love Him and trust in Him alone for their salvation. All who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are sorry for their sins, and who desire to live in obedience are invited to come now with gladness to the table of the Lord. For friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Amen. I want to invite our worship team up as they're going to help us to prepare our hearts in singing, and I want to invite the elders up as well. Friends, let's participate in this feast together.
this feast, we wait for each other. And sometimes it takes a while to make sure everybody has been served. Brothers and sisters, united by the Spirit with those downstairs serving our kids, with those of you at home, with those of us in this room, and together with brothers and sisters across the world, would you take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Brothers and sisters, united by the Spirit, take, drink, remember, and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Amen. United to brothers and sisters around the world, would you rise in body and spirit? And let's say this ancient confession of our faith in the Apostles' Creed. Together we say, I believe in God the Father.
going from this place, we go with God's favor and face turned toward us and smiling upon us. I'd invite you to lift your eyes, open your hands and receive it. Friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.
found peace to love and serve Jesus Christ. Thank you.